Take a moment and consider your experience of taking Holy Communion, of receiving the Eucharist. What has that experience been for you? What are your earliest memories of taking communion? What has it meant to you in your life? What questions do you have about the Eucharist? Today is the final Sunday in a five-week sequence of gospel readings that take us through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. And it is the chapter about the bread of life, where Jesus says that he is the bread of life and that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have true life and to inherit eternal life. Twice in this five-week series, do verses from one Sunday get included in the following Sunday? And that's pretty unusual. In fact, I I don't think there's anywhere else in the lectionary. I I didn't do extensive research on this, but I can't think off the top of my head where a gospel passage from one Sunday, part of that verse gets included in the following Sunday, and it happens twice within five weeks. The last two verses of the gospel from last Sunday are the first two gospel passage verses for this Sunday. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. That repetition of verses about the bread of life is not only unusual, but it signifies the importance of what is being said in those verses. The Holy Eucharist, the sacred meal that is at the center of our life and worship in the Episcopal Church and other liturgical sacramental-based churches, it is fundamental to who we are. On Twitter this week, I saw someone post, why do you go to church? And my favorite reply was, well, where else are you going to go to get communion? I jokingly replied, I'm in it for the paycheck. (laughs) Jokingly, so we're clear. But what are we doing in the Eucharist? What are we doing when we gather here every Sunday to celebrate the Holy Eucharist? In this passage, Jesus contrasts manna in the wilderness with the bread of life. When the people were in the wilderness, God sent them manna, bread, to sustain them, and yet they still died. So Jesus is talking about something else. He's saying that bread, 
manna, will keep you alive. But I am the bread of life that will give you true life. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And the Eucharistic prayer is called the great thanksgiving. In our tradition in the Episcopal Church, we believe in what is called the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist. That Christ is truly present in the bread and in the wine which we receive, but also that Christ is present in the act of celebrating the Eucharist. So not isolated to the bread and the wine, but Christ becomes present within the community as it gathers to celebrate the Eucharist. A priest cannot celebrate the Eucharist by themselves. It can only be done within community. So the bread is still bread and the wine is still wine, but the risen Christ is truly present in that sacrament. When you receive communion today, it will be with the words, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. I heard a lecture once from a Catholic priest who was talking about the Eucharist and Eucharistic theology, and he said that he was at a Catholic church once, and when he went up for communion, the priest said, the body of Jesus. And he said, I turned around and walked away and didn't take communion. It's not the flesh of the human Jesus we are consuming. It is the body of the risen Christ. And when we hear these passages in the gospel, it's important to remember that, um, you know, these weren't, uh, what's the word we keep hearing? These were not simultaneous notes or whatever. These are written reflecting on the life of Jesus and the church through the lens of the resurrection and the cross. We know what the cross means because we look at it through the lens of the resurrection. And so we know what Jesus' ministry means because we look at it through the resurrected Christ. And so we receive the body of the risen Christ. The Holy Eucharist is, of course, modeled on the Last Supper. The Eucharistic prayers all kind of commemorate the institution, we call it, of the Last Supper, of the Lord's Supper. But the Eucharist is not just uh, memorializing in some way the Last Supper, but it is enacting the table fellowship of Jesus. In the Eucharist, we do what Jesus did at the Last Supper. We take bread we bless it, we ask God's blessing over it, we break it and we share it. But those are the same actions in the feeding of the 5,000. Those are the same actions we see in Jesus' table fellowship. And so the bread of life, Jesus, and what we encounter in the Eucharist is entering into that table fellowship of Jesus. So it's not just a question of what we eat. It is a question of with whom we eat. Look at who Jesus ate with. 
many of his meals were with people with whom he was not supposed to eat. And the Eucharist invites us into that table with Jesus. I like to think of the Eucharist and receiving the Eucharist as the great equalizer. Whatever status society has bestowed upon you or you may have bestowed upon yourself, everybody in this room, everyone celebrating Eucharist around the world, and every Eucharist is celebrated on behalf of all creation in the church, receives the same sacrament. It is the great equalizer. You can be a wretched sinner or a righteous saint. You still get the same thing. Right? We are all equal in the eyes of God because who we really are is what we receive at the table. So we enter into that radical table fellowship and inclusion of Jesus. That's what the scandal is. That's perhaps why the disciples, some stopped following him because of how scandalous that open invitation is. Richard Hooker, a great uh, 16th century Church of England priest and a great theologian of the Reformation, said that the Holy Eucharist is not about transforming bread and wine, but human lives. Now, part of why he put it that way was because of uh, theological issues about the Eucharist at that time because there was a tradition of just celebrating the Eucharist, but not receiving the Eucharist. And so, of course, the Holy Eucharist transforms the bread and the wine for the purpose of transforming human lives. The point is not just to be present when the Eucharist is celebrated, it's to actually Receive. I remember a friend took me to uh, midnight mass at a Catholic church when I was in high school. And I'd grown up Episcopalian. I went to Catholic high school, so I was used to being excluded from communion. Like I had to go to mass, but I couldn't receive. (laughs) There's nothing like being excluded to help you realize how much the Eucharist might mean to you. But what blew me away, and I saw this in Orthodox churches in uh, Russia and other places as well, is how few people received communion. It's not just to celebrate the Eucharist as a sacred and holy mystery, which it is, but to enter into that mystery through receiving the sacred meal. In our Eucharistic prayer that we're using in this season, We say the words, deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. That's pretty deeply profound. That's some of the best Eucharistic theology I think our church has and also says something profound about what the church is supposed to be. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. We come to receive not just for ourselves, 
It is always a community act. It is always something that redirects us out into the world. And aside on that phrase, one of the reasons in the Episcopal Church, unlike in some other denominations, I think Roman Catholic, Orthodox, one of the reasons we don't require people to go to confession before they can receive the Holy Eucharist is because the Eucharist itself is an act of reconciliation for pardon only and not for renewal. Reconciliation, confession, which is reconciliation, is pardon and renewal. And in the Eucharist, we enact that reconciliation with the God of love and the God of creation. The Eucharist transforms human lives. When you think back of those memories of what communion has meant to you throughout your life, how has the Eucharist transformed you? How has it transformed your life? Yesterday, Senator John McCain died, a man who was, for so many of us, regardless of our political affiliations or if we agreed with his politics, a man that so many of us held as a true hero and patriot of our nation, died. And his funeral will be at the Washington National Cathedral, the Episcopal Cathedral in D.C., and I learned that the two people he wanted to do eulogies at his funeral are the two people who defeated him in his runs to become president, George Bush and Barack Obama. The two people who defeated him are the ones that he wants to give testimony to his life. That's a reconciled life. That's a transformed life. I heard that and I thought like, wow, I want to be like that. I want to live like that, to be that open. But the people who may have bested me, I can move beyond that and see them as the people who can best attest to my humanity. Last Sunday, a parishioner asked me about the words I say during the elevation and invitation to communion. I hold up the bread as others hold up the chalices and say, the gifts of God for the people of God, holy things for holy people. Be what you see and receive who you are. For me, these words say something vital and important about what we are doing in the Eucharist and what it is for us. The Eucharist is God's gift to God's people. Holy things for holy people is an adaptation of the Byzantine liturgy of St. Chrysostom at the invitation to communion. The priest holds up the gifts and says, the holy things are for the holy. And the people respond, one is holy, one is the Lord, Jesus Christ. We are the holy people because in the Eucharist, Christ abides in us. 
As Jesus said in the gospel today, whoever eats me will live because of me. St. Augustine, in a sermon to those about to be baptized, explained baptism into the household of God in terms of the bread of the Holy Eucharist. He said in that sermon, the mystery that you are lies there on the table. It is your own mystery that you receive. Be what you see and receive who you are. That's astonishing. Think about that as we gather here around this altar. The mystery that you are lies there on that table. It is your own mystery that you receive. It's not just bread. It's your very life. We are the body of Christ. The Eucharist is the body of Christ. Each constitutes the other. This week I saw an interview on CNN with Cornell West, who's a professor and activist, uh, African-American activist for racial justice. And in the interview, Cornell West said, all of us stand in need of transformation. If the kingdom of heaven is within you, then wherever you go, you ought to leave a little heaven behind. How much heaven are you leaving? That's not fake news. That's the good news. The kingdom of heaven is within us because Christ abides in us through eating his flesh and drinking his blood. At the end of our service, at the dismissal, we say, our worship has ended, and now our service begins. After you receive the body of Christ today, go forth to answer the question, how much heaven are you leaving behind?